0: Everyone, welcome back to the last word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. And wow, is there never ever a dull day for the Ottawa Senators? Uh, There is a lot to break down since the last episode where uh, I already have covered the Shane Pinto situation. uh, So go check that out wherever you're listening to this if you want to hear my thoughts as well as uh, Matt Bosty's thoughts on that whole situation, among other stuff. and just as we thought that would be one of the more chaotic weeks in a while for the Ottawa Senators, they said, hold my beer, and uh, went on quite the newsworthy trip over the past seven days. So I am going solo today to break this all down because I have some ranting to do. Uh, I have some things I want to get off my chest for sure. Um, and if you want to listen to a more structured back and forth, maybe I'll, I'll call it on on this situation Uh, You can listen to my other podcast, the Eminem Hockey Podcast, that will be out Wednesday night or Thursday morning uh, with Chase McCallum, where we are going to go and highlight the Ottawa Senators, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Calgary Flames doing a Canadian uh, tire fire deep dive, if you will. Um, But this is all Ottawa, all the time, and oh my gosh, where do we even begin? So... I guess the biggest thing that I kind of want to mention is um, the reason that it has been almost a week since all this news broke without me putting out anything on this account is primarily because I wanted to let the dust settle a little bit in terms of where this all goes. But even more importantly, I really thought a coaching change was going to be coming and... It doesn't look like that's going to be the case, which we will get into, but also that has given some more talking points, unfortunately, for this team who just can't seem to stay out of their own way right now. And um, that's something we're used to saying with this franchise, but maybe not the players a- at times. So um, let's throw it back to the, the first part of last week when uh, rumors were coming around that Ottawa was going to be punished for the Evgeny Dadunov situation. Um if anyone forgets, which is very easy to forget because this was so long ago, back in 2021 already, the Ottawa Senators in the offseason flipped Evgeny Daninoff to the Vegas Golden Knights for Nick Holden and a third-round pick. This comes off of a season that Ottawa signed Dadanov to a three year, $5 million per contract, and um, he didn't live up to it. Let's be honest. He he didn't play, it wasn't the worst thing. Like, it wasn't awful, but he just didn't live up to the money. Ottawa wanted to go a different way. No one batted an eye. Apparently, obviously unknown to us at the time when that trade goes down, the Vegas Golden Knights ask if there's any kind of trade protection that Evgeny Dadanov has. And the Senators, it seems like, either failed to mention it, or said no, he did not submit his list on time, uh, depending on what reports you'll hear. And so then the following year happens, Vegas is playing, at the deadline, they need cap space, so they want to go flip him to the Anaheim Ducks, who have Ryan Kessler and someone else on LTIR, Vegas basically wants to take that money, put it on LTIR, LTIR, so it gives them actually some, some cap space for that year. They make the trade, trade goes through. All of a sudden, Evgeny Dadanov's agent calls him. and goes, uh, no, 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 you cannot trade him to the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim is on his no-trade list that was submitted last year. Vegas then goes, well, we didn't know about this no-trade list. Ottawa told us not to. Uh, had to revert the trade. Vegas ends up missing the playoffs. They do trade Dadunov to the Canadians, but I think it might have been the summer, that summer. I don't think they, like, he played the year out with them. Vegas misses the playoffs Um, and we go from there now, obviously for Vegas, things end up working out pretty well. They win the Stanley cup the next year. Um, but it was from everything that's been appointed, the Vegas golden Knights and the Anaheim ducks were very, very, very unhappy with how this went down, calling it an embarrassment to the league. Um, you know, they, it sounds like they were really pushing for punishment. So on, I think it's when it was Wednesday, the league comes out and says that the Ottawa Senators are being fined a first-round draft pick. Uh, now, that first-round draft pick, the Ottawa Senators are going to have the option of what year they forfeit over the next three. Uh, they have within 24 hours of the draft lottery to decide. So, they obviously can wait and see if they're in a playoff spot. It's not like they have to decide right now. But either 2024, 2025, or 2026, they will have to give up a first-round draft pick for their role in this trade. Um This is a significant punishment, let's be honest. Uh, There's a lot of different places to get into this. Uh, You know, Michael Anlauer comes out, has a press conference, and says, you know, it was pretty obvious that a couple GMs were out for a pound of flesh because of what happened. The reason this press conference is being held is because as soon as this is announced, about an hour and a half later, The Ottawa Senators announced Pierre Dorian has resigned slash been relieved of his duty. So it kind of sounded like a firing with a mercy. We can say you resigned yourself. And this should not come as a surprise to anyone. It kind of felt like he was teetering on the edge anyways. And Matt and I had actually talked last week about how we had felt. The time didn't make sense to fire Pierre Dorian. Well, this whole situation absolutely changes that. Um, When you were our, we did talk about how he is on the edge because of all the things that are going on and it's basically now or never and if by the trade deadline it's pretty obvious he's not the man he might be on his way out um you know when this happens and you have to force forfeit a draft pick because of just negligence is what it is that is a serious problem and i go back and forth on this because uh, let's take a look at the actual penalty for right now um uh, the the first thing a lot of people were quick to jump to is holy, how do you give up a first when the Chicago Blackhawks only had to pay a fine that they basically made back the second they won the Bedard draft lottery? And I have, I, I think that is obviously a fair question in terms of going back to how poorly they handled the Blackhawks situation. However, I, I do think if, you know, I mean, I gotta be careful on my words here. I've seen a lot of people point out two wrongs don't make a right. And I do understand that as well, where, you know, the New Jersey Devils were finding a first-round pick for an illegal contract with Ilya Kovalchuk. Now, the league ended up rescinding that because basically three years later or whatever it was, no one on the team currently was part of that decision-making. So they said, you know what, you're not going to have it. So that is kind of why I could see the Ottawa Senators just delaying this back and back and back to the point where in 2026 they might go... Why don't we make this a third-round pick instead? This doesn't seem fair. And, and who knows? Maybe the league says something. Um, You know, it, it's also worth noting that the Ottawa Senators ready to not have their second or fourth-round picks for the 2026 draft. And if you are asking how on earth is that possible, it is because the fourth-round pick was attached to Nikita Zaitsev's contract last year at the deadline so they could make room to go get Jacob Chichern, uh, and then the first round pick was in the Jacobson trade. Uh, they gave up a first, or sorry, the second round pick, my bad. Uh, they gave up a first, obviously, which is 12th overall in 2023, and then a second in 2024, and a second in 2026. Um, so this is already a big part of why Pierre Dorian no longer has a job with the Ottawa Senators. Um. Again, getting back to the situation, it is an inexcusable mistake. It, it really is. You know, we talk about fireable offenses all the time. That is a fireable offense. Uh, it, it is just unacceptable. And I don't know if it's Pierre Dorian who is directly at fault, if, you know, the, the lack of staff. But it's just an unacceptable move to have happened. It really is, Um, you know, it's a horrible look on the franchise and on on the management team in general. The other reason is, again, if this is the Julian Breezeblatt or even Steve Eiserman, maybe in Detroit and this comes down, you know, there's probably going to be on the hot seat for it. But you might keep your job because, you know, things are looking up. Detroit's off to a hot start in Tampa. Again, someone like Tampa who has had all of the success already, maybe you get past this. Pierre Dorian has already spent so many draft picks on this roster to try and build it. Everyone has got paid their money, and this team is not playing well right now. They are dead last in the Eastern Conference. Dead last in the entire conference. They're not playing well. They are dealing with injuries, yes, but again, that cannot be an excuse Shabbat and are out that's tough Branstrom is out unfortunately Ridley Greg got hurt Matt Mark Kastelik is hurt um, you know I, I saw people saying oh this franchise is cursed and like it is pretty crazy but also again if Mark Kastelik going down is what is saying is causing you to say this franchise is cursed you are probably not in a great stop uh, spot to begin with and that's just the thing I keep getting back to is I'm just I'm genuinely not surprised that Pierre Dorian, was fired almost immediately after this came out. I, I really don't... I was not thinking he was going to keep his job much longer anyways. Um, so when this came out, it, it definitely just felt like, yep, yeah, there's there's the nail in the coffin. Like, it's it just... It's going to happen. Um, the legacy of Pier Dorian is going to be looked back on, I think, really interestingly. I think there's no doubt that he made some good moves. You know, the Eric Carlson trade, bold move, but worked out extremely well at the time. I will still argue that the Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, Tim Stutzla signings, absolutely amazing signings. Bringing Claude Giroux for how he did, absolutely amazing signing. But for every one of those moves, he had one that was equally as bad. The Mark Stone trade, the Matt Duchesne trade, you know, for every great contract, he had contracts like Dadanov, the Dabrinka trade, and, and even those, you know, I won't fault him completely. I think it was fine process, but then you also have very poor process. You know, already, you know, Corpusalo hasn't been the issue this year, but like giving Corpusalo $20 million over five years at 30 years old probably isn't the smartest thing long term. Trading Philip Gustafson for Cam Talbot one for one, even if Gustafson doesn't look as good this year, you trade for a 35-year-old goalie who sucked and then you had to let walk. Like, just, there's a lot of moves. And what I kind of come down to is it was definitely time for him to go. He made some fine moves. He made some mistakes. But at the end of the day, he has had like seven years to build this roster how he wants it. And they are bottom in the Eastern Conference after 11 games again, or 10 games for them, I guess. 11 for others. It is just unacceptable. And yes, again, they have injuries, but they're getting outplayed, which, like, they are right now at five on five, according to Natural Statric the 28th ranked team in expected goals for percentage. They are only ahead of Chicago, San Jose, St. Louis, three, uh, San Jose is, oh my God, don't even get me started on that. Chicago is obviously rebuilding. St. Louis isn't very good. The only team with a, truly above 500 record is vancouver canucks and nine and two nine two and one just as a the pdo bender for the vancouver canucks and good for them but like Ottawa's down with anaheim you know toronto who is having a crisis of their own right now is down there as well for an event like th- these guys are getting outplayed routinely now and that is what the most frustrating part is so the reason i didn't make this podcast right away is because I really, really thought when Steve Steos got announced as the interim GM at the press conference, either the same day or within a couple days, DJ Smith was going to be announced on his way out of the Ottawa Senators. And the reason I said that is because I figured they might give him a game, you know, maybe they want to evaluate. I get it's a big change, but they come out and they look the flattest I have ever seen them against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, an okay first period, a horrid second period where they come down 4-1, I think, after the second. And they crawl their way back in the third with three goals, but they let up two and lose 6-4. It's just unacceptable. And this is not the Tampa Bay Lightning team of old. This team has also been getting outplayed at times and has Jonas Gustavsson. not, yes, Jonas Gustavsson in net. Uh, it's just unacceptable. The team looks so flat No one looked like they were trying. It looked like a bunch of players just playing pond hockey out there. And then they have the audacity to come out after the game and make comments like, the bullshit that goes on tonight of saying, Channing Fire DJ, it's annoying that the fans turn on us. You know, we need the most now. We're trying. You cannot come out after the third year in a row of saying, this is our year. This is the year changes are going to be made. Play like you have started four and six again. And then go, well, what do you want from us? We're trying our hardest. It is just unacceptable. And, and this is like the first, genuinely probably the first time I have been upset at something that Brady Kachuk has said. Um, you know, generally speaking, he has been a great role model for, you know, the community, a leader on the team. Um, you know, anything that you can ask for. But those comments acting as if that is turning on the team. This is everyone. I saw I think it was Matt Posty who was on the podcast. I think I saw him tweet out, "This is the team supporting you." There are so many damn fan bases out there that would have just turned apathetic by now and said, "I really don't care what happens with this team going forward." They've lost my respect, they've lost my trust. This is year 6 of them being horrible. Instead, this team wants change. They're desperate for change and they're desperate for a winning team. And for the players to come out and say, well, I don't know what you want from us, we're trying our hardest, is just mind-bogglingly brutal. Especially because this is not like they're still all on ELCs. Every single damn player on this core has been paid their money. You cannot come out and say, well, we're trying our hardest, why are you angry? The bounces aren't going your way. The bounces hasn't been going this way for five years now, according to this team, it is done with excuses. You cannot keep using them, it is just unacceptable, you know. And Claude Giroux came out tonight and doubled down. And again, I've been very open about how much I have liked the Claude Giroux signing. Um, but you know, he came out and said something along, I'm trying to find the quote right now, but he said something along the lines of, you know. People need to stop doing that stuff. Like, DJ's our coach. He's not going anywhere. And it's disrespectful or something like that. And it's just like, man, like, what's disrespectful is playing the way you guys are. The amount of dump and chase with this roster is just absurd. It is crazy how poorly this setup is playing for this team. Like, multiple times over the past three games, they've crawled back within a goal or two. They have struggled to get their puck out of their own end in the minute and a half that they have left in the game. Get to the blue line and just dump the puck in and go for a change or or just lose possession, even if they don't change. It's like, what are we doing? There's so much skill that this team needs to be attacking off the rush, using their sp- skill and speed to do that. And instead, they get to the blue line, dump it in and lose possession. It just does not work. And again, this would have been fine three years ago now? No way! And I, here, here's the, the quote. <sighs> I need to take a breath here because I am very worked up. about. It. I've been holding this in for about a week now. Here's the qu- quote from Giroux on uh, talk about Smith's future. It's getting pretty old. The fans and the media talking about DJ. It's pretty frustrating, actually. He's our coach. He's not going anywhere. We want to play for him. It's just a distraction we don't need right now. Perfect tweet by Locked On Senators Podcast. You know what else is getting old? Losing in November. This November, 0-2-0. Last November, 4-9-1. Two Novembers ago, one ten and one A total of five twenty one and 2 in November when all three years you have said this is the year we're turning it around and we're going to fight for a playoff spot. Pathetic. If you can't understand why there is insane amount of heat on DJ Smith right now, I really don't know what to say. This is the most frustrated I have been with this team in a long time. Maybe since the 2018 year when they traded for Duchesne, everything went to crap. Like, this is unbelievable. It is just, just unbelievable. They're on a five game losing streak, and again, they can't get any points in regulation. And if they're dominating teams and just getting goalied every night, it would be one thing. You know, it would still be tough to swallow, but it would be one thing at least. And I should say they're only on a two-game losing streak. But the only other team they beat was Pittsburgh, who also is going through a disaster right now. Um, they are one in four or one in five in their last six games. But and again, the losses beaten by the Red Wings pretty bad. Beaten by the Sabres brutally until the last two minutes of the game. Beaten by the Islanders in a game that was only 3-2, but really didn't feel like they were in it. Good game against the Penguins, Fine. Good for them. Beaten by the Kings in a game that, again, like, they lost 3-2, but I just, it, it didn't really feel like they were in it. Like, they were down 3-0 at one point, you know, and the shots are 38-26 to in that game. Like... They're just, they're getting up, and then the the performance against Tampa Bay is just the icing on the cake. (sighs) To come out and and just not understand why the fan base is angry is just... (sighs) It's disappointing. It really, and I get it. it. The players do not want to lose either. No one is insinuating that the players are out there trying to lose or anything like that. But just trying your hardest is not good enough this year. It is not good enough. Um, you know, I mentioned the Kachuk quote a couple times. I'll give the full one. The constant negativity and booing from the outside is frustrating. The bullshit from the crowd tonight, I understand that they're a passionate fan base, but when you face adversity, you don't turn your back. It's not like we're giving up. The fact that you can say that this is the fan base turning their back is unquestionably terrible like if you're Steve Steos, you almost have to go into that room tonight and be like we need to stop addressing fan interaction with us because you are just digging your hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper it is as simple as that the entire team has been paid the entire team to start four and six is just—I'm at a loss for words at this point. I don't know what else to say. Um, I cannot imagine this goes on much longer without a coaching change, but I said that last week. i We were talking with Bosti, I said that last week. And since then, they have followed up with two of the most brutal performances I've seen. One, I guess one. <laughs> we recorded after the Kings game last week. So, the good news, if you are the Ottawa Senators, if we want to try and take a little bit of a shining light out of this, a Artem Zub sounds like he's going to be back for tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is great news. Um, they desperately miss him. He is so underratedly one of their most important players on this team because he is so good defensively, and the fact and. Him playing with Sanderson, they make each other better. It's not a secret that Sanderson looks marginally worse when you plug Travis Hamanick, who just should not be on an NHL roster with him right now. Especially not playing 17 minutes a night or whatever it is. And I get it. They don't have a lot of great options. That cannot be an excuse. It just You can't have these excuses anymore. The other good thing for the Senators is that they continue to build out their front office and even their analytics department and all that stuff. I do have some hope that this will change. I mean, obviously it will change. I think everything that Anlaris said, even from his pet press conference, he was brutally honest and I'd love that. The fact that I watched that press conference and came out encouraged after all of that is such a change in reality from when Melnick was doing Prescott, like you were just praying, not even praying, you were just waiting for either Melnick or Dorian to say something that is just going to be quoted into oblivion on Twitter. The fact that everything that Ann Lauer and Steo said actually you know, made sense, was well thought out, and was brutally honest, was perfect. They could not have handled it better. But now it is time for on-ice results, and upcoming you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are in a bit of a tizzy of their own right now, the Vancouver Canucks, who are on top of the world, the Calgary Flames, who are at the bottom of the world right now as well. So you have a mixed schedule here of three teams that are on varying emotions, all in Canada. You have to come out of this 2-1. It is not optional at this point. And if you can go 2-0-1 and be NHL 500 by the end of it, that's great. They need to start winning it. It's, it's just non-negotiable at this point. And it, it's got to start from their big guys too. Tim Stutzler has not looked good this year for what Tim Stutzla can do. And we know he can do. You know, the Ridley-Gregg injury, it really sucks because he is a very effective, very solid player. But, you know, they need more of Brady Kachuk. They need more of Tim Stutzler. They need more of Josh Norris on a constant basis. You know, Giroux, Tarasenko, Batherson Bathurston has been invisible at times this year. It's got to start with the big guys. It's as simple as that. So, I don't think I have too much more. Um, I have given gotten my yelling out uh, for the episode. 25 minutes of me talking straight. I apologize, but I hope you all enjoyed Again if you uh, want to hear, you know, a more structured debate and um, obviously similar points but kind of a back and forth, Chase and I are going to be recording the MNM Hockey podcast uh, tomorrow so that'll be up either Wednesday night or Thursday morning and we will go from there. Um, as always follow the follow me on Twitter at NHL Sens and stuff. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sens. Um, all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Thank you everyone so much for the support. Um, Hopefully there are some more exciting days of hockey ahead uh, and, you know, this team can get it back on track because, again, it's not turning the back on the team. Everyone who listens to the podcast wants to see them do good. You know, everyone is happier when they are doing good. It is just, you know, no one wants anything else. So it is now up to the players to turn this around and it starts tomorrow night in Toronto. Thank you everyone so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week.